Well, good morning. I invite you to open in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible or don't have it downloaded on your phone, we've got Bibles provided on the table, the black table to your right. Uh, if you want to use that Bible, it's page 102. We invite you to please join us in looking at the scriptures together. Uh, we believe in God's word here at Fairfax Bible Church. Amen. God has spoken to us. Praise be to God. Boy, this, uh, this theme of waiting that I, I hear in our service this morning, wow, Laura and I, I, I'm sure she was thinking about it as we were standing up here during that time of our installation here, just to think about waiting on the Lord and to hear that you, our church family, before we even knew you, you've been waiting on the Lord for the last year plus and just waiting on him to move and to act and to show his direction and his path. Laura and I and our family, we've been praying for at least that long uh, I think it was nearly three years ago that we started this journey asking the Lord to show us what the next steps are and waiting on him, fasting and praying, and to see that he shows up in powerful ways. And uh, today standing here is just a reminder to me, as it is to you, that God hears us and he, and he, and he rewards us when we wait upon him and diligently seek him. And so we're going to be taking a look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Let me just briefly give you the context here of, of where we're going to be, okay? Here this morning in, in this book, uh, Joshua, we're not going to take a look at the whole book, just the first nine verses of this book, but we've just closed up Deuteronomy. Now, many of you may not even be able to pronounce Deuteronomy. That's okay. It's all right. But the first five books of the law were written, we believe, mainly by Moses uh, as he gave this law to, to the people of Israel. And uh, they've been on a journey, and, and the journey started in the very beginning in Genesis. The first man and woman, Adam, sinned, uh, rebelled against God. God created humanity to be in perfect fellowship with God, but God, but excuse me, but humanity rebelled against this God. They sinned. They said we wanted to do things our own way rather than do things God's way, and so God cast them out of His presence and said, "There can't be any fellowship any longer with Me because of your sin." But God, who's gracious and merciful and compassionate and slow to anger. He was always providing a new way, a new way that he would open. And that way was introduced to uh, God's man, Abraham. Many years later, God showed up to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to do a new thing to restore humanity back to me. Through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And I'm going to promise you to do something special. I'm going to give you a people, even though you're very old, Abram, and you don't have any kids, I'm going to promise that I'm going to give you a child. And from that child is going to come a nation. And I'm going to give this nation a a land that you're walking on here in the land of Canaan. Well, we see that Abraham did end up having a son, even in his old age. That son was Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. And, and we see that those sons with Jacob, they got into some trouble because there was a famine in the land. But God had already provided a way, as he always does, to deliver this family, this family of promise, this family of blessing, and sent one of those sons, Joseph, down into Egypt. Joseph became very powerful, and he also saved and rescued his family from the famine that was all all throughout the earth. And so we find that this nation of people, when they were in Egypt over 400 years, grew into this massive multitude of people. But over time, the pharaohs, the kings of Egypt, forgot the blessing of God upon this family, and they started to enslave them and, and torture them, so that eventually God's people started to cry out, when, O oh Lord, will you deliver us and fulfill your promise to us? God raised up Moses and Aaron to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, but it was really God who did it. God sent these miraculous signs and wonders to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt. 
and they wandered in the desert as God formed this nation, gave them his law and said, follow in my commandments. And that brings us to where we are this morning. Moses had done some amazing things for the people of Israel. Really, it was God who did it, God using his man, his leader Moses, to do amazing things in the midst of Israel. And you think, okay, Moses is the guy that's going to take us to go and receive the promised land. But God says, no, I'm going to let Moses die across the Jordan River in the plains of Moab, and then I'm going to take the people over into the land. Well, how are you going to do that? Who's left? Well, the man that was left to lead them was Joshua. Now, I don't know, if you want to put yourself in Joshua's shoes, all that you've seen under the leadership of Moses, how you've seen God with Moses, how God powerfully did miraculous signs and wonders to deliver his people, and now you think to yourself, what's next? How in the world are we going to survive without Moses? And so Moses has passed away, and we see here in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, God's commissioning message to Joshua before they were to go to take the promised land. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. Follow along as I read aloud. And before we read, I'd like to just ask one prayer from our Lord this morning from Psalm 119, verse 18. It says this, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of your law. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but, excuse me, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. What an encouraging word it must have been to Joshua in this moment. Seeing his mentor, seeing the man that had led Israel pass away. And now he had this job to lead this nation. You know, it kind of reminds us of of a moment in our nation's history, the United States, Uh, Just this last week, we've celebrated a a very important and significant day, one of the most significant days in the life of the military of our uh, our country. Uh, June 6th, 1944 was D-Day, right? The day right in the middle of World War II when when we see our our military go and get prepared joining the military of, of England and other nations so that they would go and push back the forces of Nazi Germany 
in Europe, and it was a very significant and decisive day, and I think we've got some slides here for you just to kind of see what it looked like on the beaches of Normandy and France as the Allied forces show up there on the shores getting ready to fight the, the Germans, the Nazis there. And I imagine how terrifying it must have been. And we've heard from this greatest generation of those that fought, those that were there, those that were fortunate and blessed enough to survive this. And we see it portrayed in movies and in in documentaries. And we've seen the, the horrors of what it was like to have to go right there into the teeth of war and to fight. It must have been terrifying. But we have a leader here. A leader that was appointed, General Eisenhower was appointed. And, uh, and we see from the National Archives, General Eisenhower's experience and the Allied troops' preparation, uh, they were finally put to the test on the morning of June 6, 1944. An invasion force of 4,000 ships, 11,000 planes, and nearly 3 million soldiers, Marines, airmen, and sailors was assembled in England for the assault. Prior to sending troops out on the invasion of Normandy on D-Day, General Dwight Eisenhower wrote two notes, one to rally the troops to victory, the other written in case the invasion of Normandy failed. And I'd like to read for you uh, these two different letters. Now, the first one, this... uh, This order of the day that was given, Eisenhower had been preparing this since February, knowing that this was going to be a very significant day in the war. And so listen to this first letter. You can see it's very well crafted. It's it's printed out. It's it's, it's wonderful for those that were getting ready to go. And I think you see it behind me. Probably can't read it. I'll read it for you. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you're about to embark upon the Great Crusade to which we've striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hope and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of the Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy will be trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940 to 41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck. And let the blessing of Almighty God upon this great, uh, uh, be upon this great and noble undertaking. What a note of courage, right? What a, no- a note of inspiration on this very, very significant moment. But Eisenhower, he didn't diminish the threat that was out there. He said, they're well trained. They're going to face you head on. But I believe in you. I believe in you. Well, that was the official order that was given. But that was not the only thing that Eisenhower prepared. We see a handwritten note, I think, will be behind us. You, you can't read it. It's, it's scribbled. This was not prepared since February. This was actually prepared the night before on June 5th. 
And I'll read this for you as well. This was a, uh, a note that he had handwritten in case of failure. And this is what it says. Our landings in the Cherbourg Havre area have failed to gain a satisfactory foothold and I've withdrawn the troops. My decision to attack at this time and place was based upon the best information available. The troops, the air, and the Navy did all that bravery and devotion to duty could do. And any blame or fault, if any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. Quite a different tale of of notes, right? Um, And so here we have Eisenhower giving full courage to the troops, but he understood that success in this endeavor was not guaranteed, and so he hand-wrote this note the night before. On the precipice of such a huge undertaking, what was the message that was given to the troops? I believe in you. We will be victorious. But in the back of his mind, he knew that there was no guarantee. Now, think about Joshua now. We just read the message from God to Joshua. Think about being in his shoes or his sandals for a moment, right? (laughs) Right there on the huge moment of going into the promised land. What was the Lord's message to Joshua? Did God provide a in-case-of-failure note to Joshua? I don't think so. So what made the difference? What made the difference for Joshua as he was getting ready to go into this promised land? So much was behind them, but yet so much was in front of them. They'd seen such a great leader, but now that leader was gone and Joshua was called to lead the people. What made the difference here in this message from God to Joshua? Where did such confidence come from? Now think about yourselves, the the battles that you face, the journeys that you're on, the challenges, the trials, the heartaches, the opposition you feel in your life. Now, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like my life at times is a a never-ending note in case of failure, right? (laughs) Like you step out of this and you're like, but just in case, in case I fail, right? What about our church? What about Fairfax Bible Church? Is there any guarantees for us as a family? What can make the difference for us as we embark on the next steps of this journey together? And here's our big idea this morning as we look at this text. The Lord is our difference maker. The Lord and the Lord alone is our difference maker. We're going to be looking at three things from this text as we move along quickly, but The Lord is our difference maker. And first, because the Lord is our difference maker, no one and nothing can stop him from fulfilling his promises to us. And it'll be on on the screen there for you, so don't worry if you're trying to take notes. No one and nothing can stop him from fulfilling his promises to us. Secondly, because the Lord is our difference maker, our victory is found in the power of his presence, especially when we feel weak. And thirdly, Because the Lord is our difference maker, his plan for us is simply to trust and obey, even when we don't know exactly what the future holds. The Lord is our difference maker. Point number one again, because the Lord is our difference maker, no one and nothing can stop him from fulfilling his promises to us. Let's take a look again at Joshua chapter one, uh, verses two through five. It says this, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
And here was the promise that was given to Abraham hundreds of years before, now being passed on once again. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. That promise had transferred down from generation to generation. From the wilderness and the Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates and the land of the Hittites to the great sea. Listen to what verse 5 says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, Joshua, if you remember your, your, your history of Israel, if, if you've ever studied this, back in Numbers, the, the people of Israel, they'd actually sent out 12 spies. Moses commissioned 12 spies to spy out the land to see what was there, what was the land like. And out of the 12 spies, only two, Caleb and Joshua, came in and said, you know what, it's, it's a daunting task. The, the cities have really high walls, and there's even giants in the land. But guess what? We can go in there and we can take them. We can take them because God is on our side. The other 10 spies said, whoa, 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 I don't know about this. You're you're, you're just forgetting some points here. Those walls are high, but they're really, really high. And those giants are big, but they're really, really big. And if we go in there, we're going to be slaughtered. And we're going to take our wives and children and and all these people, and we're going to get slaughtered. And so God made the people of Israel wander around for 40 years. But Joshua and Caleb were faithful. And they remembered the promise of God. And right in this moment, right in this moment, even though Moses had passed away, even even though they were going into a land that was full of all kinds of peoples, peoples trained for war, cities with huge walls and giants that were huge and strong and trained for battle, God is telling Joshua, nothing can stand in the way of my promise. Nothing can stand in the way of my promise. You see, God's promises, they outlast the lives of the leaders of God's people. Just because leaders come and because leaders go does does not ever, ever, ever change the validity and the surety of God's promises. And so as we look at this this morning, the first thing that we could see, the Lord is our difference maker because he's given us very great and precious promises and nothing, no one, nothing at all could ever, ever, ever take his promises away from you. Friend, today, if you're here and you feel like your life is just full of, the, of notes, in case of failure notes, I want you to know that you are secure in God's hands and his promises will never, ever fail you. Listen to the, one of the sweetest promises in all the scripture, Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or, or distress or persecution or, or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we are being killed. Who, who's being killed? Jesus followers, God's people. They've been facing opposition and persecution and all kinds of challenges and trials all throughout their history, Right? We are being killed all the day long for we're guarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure, the apostle Paul says, I'm sure of God's promises to us, the difference maker in our lives. I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, the promises that that were given to Joshua and the people of Israel, they were a sure thing, not because Joshua was mighty or strategic, but because God is the difference maker and nothing and no one can stand in the way of fulfilling his promises. He's given us promises, Fairfax Bible Church. 
He's given you promises. And today, if you feel like your, your life is a, in case of failure, note, let's look to the difference maker today to say, he is the one that will fulfill his promises to us. The Lord is our difference maker. Secondly, and I believe this is the key to the whole text here, because the Lord is our difference maker, our victory is found in the power of his presence, especially when we are weak. Our victory is found in the power of his presence. Take a look again at Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, the second half of verse 5. It says this, just as I was with Moses, Joshua, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will be with you, Joshua, just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Think about how this must have felt for Joshua in his moment of weakness, probably his moment of sadness too. He loved Moses. He was Moses' right-hand man. I mean, he, he spent more time with Moses than maybe Aaron or anybody else. He spent so much time with him, and to see this, this key leader pass away and, and die, and now to know, wait a minute, this, the, the leadership of this nation has been put in my hands? I, I would feel terrified. I would feel uh, concerned. I'd feel anxious and nervous. What am I to do? I mean, I saw how Moses saw the face of God and, and was there in the tabernacle, and he would come out, and he'd have his face aglow because he knew God intimately. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And yet here's this promise. In the midst of Joshua's weakness, God comes with a message. And here's the message. Joshua, you got this. You got this figured out. You're the most strategic military man that I could find. I know you're more than competent to do this. You're well-trained. You got this. No, God doesn't say any of that to Joshua. What does he say? I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I will be with you, Joshua. And we see at the end of Deuteronomy, that message already had started to come out. Joshua, Moses is about to go away, but I'm going to be with you. Joshua, Moses is about to go away, but I will be with you. Now Moses is gone. He says, Joshua, I will be with you. You know, as we think about the life of our church, to hear your story, the story of you, the family at Fairbanks Bible Church, praying, fasting, seeking the Lord in those moments. For many days, months, about a year, you're waiting and waiting and waiting for a pastor. And a pastor is here. But guess what? Success is not because the pastor's here, but because the Lord your God was with you. The difference maker heard your prayers and the difference maker shows up here today. And he's not me. He's not Matt Rumbaugh. He's not Dave Kelly. He's not Will Johnson. He's not Hang Tu. No, the difference maker is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the difference maker. Even in our weakness, our victory is found in the presence of the difference maker. He told Joshua, I'm with you. In fact, in, in Deuteronomy 31, 5 through 8, this is what, what, what God was telling Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be in uh, dread of the nations that are around you, for it is the Lord who goes with you. He'll not leave you or forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua in Deuteronomy 31 and said, uh, he said in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. Do you hear that? 
What God is saying here, what Moses is saying, look, it wasn't me who was going before you. I was next in line. I was not front in line. I was next in line. You know who was really in the front of the line the whole time? It was God. It was God. He's the one that we bow to. I was having that conversation with Will this morning. There's one chief shepherd of Fairfax Bible Church. There's one chief shepherd of the church overall, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Lord is the difference maker. Amen? He is the difference maker. And Moses is telling Joshua and the whole nation, hey, you thought it was me out in front? Really, I was following the Lord and we were following together. He's the one that's gone before us. That's why we've won these battles up to this day. You know, in our moments of uncertainty and weakness, we feel alone. We feel like nobody sees. We feel like our circumstances are out of control. We feel that personally in our lives. We feel that in the lives of our kids. You know what? I, I, have, I have two teenagers and a soon-to-be teenager. I have one young adult and a teenager and a soon-to-be teenager. And there are moments in my life that I realize I have a lot less control and influence over their lives than I thought I did. And I know as a dad, what do I do when I feel weak and I feel helpless? I say, Lord, you're the difference maker. You're the difference maker. You're the one as a church, you've been feeling it. We, we don't have a, a lead shepherd here at this church in, in a man right now. But guess who was leading you all this time? It was the Lord. He's been your difference maker. He's been the difference maker for my family too. But in those moments of uncertainty and weakness, what do we do? We must focus ourselves and encourage one another to keep our eyes fixed on the difference maker who is present and who is near. And sometimes we get our eyes fixed on the circumstances. We see the things that are happening in our lives. We see the, the cancer diagnoses and we see, the, we see the riots in the streets. We see the shootings in our schools. We see another incident just this week. Our family, the family of God in Nigeria, worshiping in a church last Sunday, someone came in and, and shot up and killed over 80 of our, our brothers and sisters. And we feel, what are we to do about these circumstances? Circumstances. We've got to keep our eyes fixed and focused on the difference maker. That's why we need one another. There's going to be moments in the days to come that I'm going to be tempted to take my eyes off of the difference maker because of my circumstances. There's going to be moments in your lives where you're going to be tempted because of your circumstances to take your eyes off the difference maker. That's why we need each other. We come alongside each other. We put our arms around each other and we say, brother, sister, don't forget the difference maker. Don't forget the difference maker. When we feel weak, when we feel low, it's the power of his presence that gives us the victory, not our skill, our competence, and our strength. Joshua, though, had God's promise. Joshua had God's presence. But the Lord didn't give him all the details about his future. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to be candid with you for a moment. Boy, that frustrates me sometimes. Lord, just, just show me what's happening here. Give me the details. I'd love to see them right here and right now. But God says, I'm not going to do that because I want you to not focus on the plan. I want you to focus on the planner. That's what God says. But he didn't give Joshua all the plan for Israel. This is what God said to Joshua. Joshua 1, 6 through 9. This is what he said. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers and give them. Now listen to verse 7. Only do this, Joshua. You don't have to figure out all the details. Only do this. Be strong and very courageous. 
being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded to you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to that is written in it. For when you make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And this is point number three. Because the Lord is our difference maker. His plan for us is simply to trust and obey, even when we don't know exactly what the future holds. That's our job. It's God's job to figure out all the details. All of that belongs to him. It's, guess what, friends? It's outside your control. Your circumstances, you have some influence over them, but there's so much in your life, and you feel it right now. I have no control over these things. And sometimes what we do, instead of trusting God, we want to try and grab onto those things, and we want to try and manipulate them and say, if I just do this, or if I just do that, or if I just fix this, maybe things will work out for me. But in doing that, guess what we neglect? We neglect God's commands. We neglect obeying him every day and every moment of our life. And so we reverse roles. We're God, and we're saying, God, this is the way things ought to be, and we ignore his commands. But he says, no, 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 this is what I want you to do, Joshua. You don't have to manipulate the circumstances. You don't have to come up with the greatest strategic plan how to take this land. Only do this. Be strong and courageous and obey my commands. Be strong and courageous and obey my commands. Trust in my strength. And the the words there to be strong, it's it's really to be like hardened and firmed, right? Not easily moved. Uh, It's to be courageous. That means, again, like being strong but bold and alert and victorious. Stand there, Joshua. Even when you see those spears and arrows and those armies and you see those big walls and you see those giants, I want you to stand there knowing that I'm with you. Be strong, stand firm, be courageous, trust in the victory. Do that. You, you know, when you do that, guess what you're doing? You're doing that positively, but you gotta slay your fear, right? You gotta slay that thing to the ground. I am so afraid right now. I feel like turning my back and running as fast as I can in the other direction. Joshua, you gotta slay your fear and you gotta stand there firm and you gotta be courageous. That means you gotta trust in me. You gotta trust in me. If you're trusting in your flesh, friend, I tell you right now, I've been there. You wanna turn around and run the other direction. But when we trust in our God, we say, I don't care how big these circumstances, these giants, these walls are in front of me. I'm going to trust in my God. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous. Praise God for some leaders here at this church, small group leaders, elders, pastors here at this church that in this season have stood strong and said, we don't know what the details look like, but we're going to trust in our God. Amen? Trusting in our God. And the other part is we've got to obey We've got to obey. We've got to look to God's commands and meditate upon them and do them. Now, this has been the pattern all throughout the history of God's people. Be strong and obey my commands. That's what the Lord says time and time again, because this wasn't the last conflict in the life of Israel. In fact, it was one of the early conflicts in the life of Israel. You see, later on, after, uh, after the people actually began to start to conquer the nations, God started to show them his favor. Joshua 10, 24 to 25, it says, says this, when they brought Israel, uh, those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who'd gone with them, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. They came near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, see, do not be afraid. 
Don't be dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. See, Joshua learned the lesson, and he was passing that on to somebody else. That's what it means to make disciples. I've learned that this God is great, and I pass on the news of his greatness on to a new generation. But later on, we see David passing it on to his son Solomon, 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. As David was getting ready to go off the scene and he was passing the baton to his son to be the king of Israel, it says this, David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. This is the theme of God's people over and over and over again. We can be strong and we can be courageous and we can obey. Why? Because we know the difference maker. Amen? Second Chronicles 32, 7 to 8. King Hezekiah is there and the city of Jerusalem is being surrounded by all kinds of enemies. A great war machine in Assyria was come and getting ready to take over. And what does Hezekiah tell his people that he's leading? Be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid or be dismayed for the king of Syria and all the horde that is with him. Because this was a huge, huge army. But listen to what he says. There are more with us than with them. How is that? With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. That's our call. That's our call in these moments. That's our call in these moments of transition. That's our call in these moments when we feel weak when we feel alone, when we're about ready to take a next big step, it's not to start thinking of all the strategic plans. It's to say, I'm going to be strong and courageous because I know the difference maker and I'm going to commit to obey his commands. Are you trusting today, friend? Are you obeying God's commands today, friend? I'm sure the circumstances you're facing in your life personally, maybe feeling like it's about ready to break you, may feel so much uncertainty and anxiety. Oh, we've got God's promises. We know the difference maker. His presence is with you. And you don't have to figure out all the details. His only request and command for you is to trust and obey. Trust and obey. But what does this mean for Monday? What I mean by that is, we've heard this is great. This is for Joshua. This is for Israel. They, they live thousands of years ago, right? How does this impact me today? What does this mean for Monday? That's what I want to leave you with today. What does this mean for Monday? Well, uh, unlike Joshua and the Israelites, we, Fairfax Bible Church, we don't battle against flesh and blood. We don't, we don't have weapons. We don't have swords. You don't come in and, and get your swords and your spears and you go out and you fight battles. No, we've got a different kind of battle. It comes from seen and unseen forces in this world. We've got the world system that is attacking us and wanting to, uh, wanting to draw our allegiance away from our Lord, the difference maker. We've also got our flesh that wages war against our souls, the very temptations that we feel on a daily basis. And we have Satan who's also it, trying to get in the midst of us to divide us and to, to get us off track from the mission. And while those enemies are, are daunting, there's someone that we know who is the difference maker. You see, the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ is that through his perfect life, his sacrificial death on the cross, his victorious resurrection, ascension to the throne of heaven, and promise of his glorious return, we have hope. We've got a difference maker. And I love this. You know, Joshua, his, his name in Hebrew is Yehoshua. 
Joshua. It means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. You see, his very name points to the difference maker for himself and the people of Israel. Every time they said the name Joshua, it's a reminder to them, ah, the Lord is our salvation. I mean, walk around and say, hey, the Lord is our salvation, or the Lord saves. Would you come on over here? I need to have a conversation with you. What a reminder every time they recited his name. It was a reminder of the difference maker in their midst. Because of the Lord's everlasting promises and presence, the people of Israel could trust God's plan for them in trust and obedience. But the power wasn't in Joshua. He was pointing to the difference maker. You see, every time he looked over to the tabernacle, that tent in the middle of their camp that housed the Ark of the Covenant with the Lord's presence overshadowing it, it was a manifestation, hey, we've got the difference maker in our midst, and that Lord, he's our salvation. But here was the problem. Joshua couldn't enter that tent. He couldn't look upon the Ark. The difference maker was present for Joshua, but there was a remaining division between him and the people, including Joshua. Friends, we've got something better. We've got the difference maker We've got the one who is our Lord Jesus Christ who left heaven, put on human flesh, and has lived among us. You wouldn't say, oh, oh yeah, I know about the difference maker. I know the difference maker. The apostle John said, we've touched him with our hands. We've seen him with our eyes. We heard his voice with our ears. He is Yeshua. He is the Lord is our salvation, and he's in our midst. You see, our difference maker has come to be with us. He's come to take the penalty for our sins. He's come to resurrect, to give us new life. And someday our Yeshua, our Joshua, our Yahweh is salvation, is coming back to the earth to rescue us forever and ever. Friends, we've got the greatest difference maker we could ever hope for in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's given us his spirit to live in our hearts. We've got it better than Joshua. We've got Yeshua, the difference maker, who's come to rescue us. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to be jumping into a series. just want to give you a little taste of where we're going. We're going to be jumping into a series in the book of Acts. And you see, tradition in church has the book of Acts titled as the Acts of the Apostles. The, the great activities of great men who founded the church. But what we're going to see is that this is really the Acts of Jesus, the difference maker. This is really the acts of the one, the Holy Spirit, who's the difference maker, who's come into our hearts to give us new life and to give us hope. And the great promise of Jesus is this. In Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, but he gives a promise. I will be with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Family, this is our hope in the midst of our battles. Our difference maker is the hope for our lives, our families, and our church. We're setting out on the next step of this journey together. I'm so excited to be here, but I also feel the weight of what this means for me, for our elders, for our church. It's a big step for us. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the best and latest strategies I can't give you any guarantees except this. We will trust in the difference maker. We will trust in him and we will obey his commands and we will preach his his word. Our mission at Fairfax Bible Church is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. In four words that we say it all the time, we're loving Christ and living sent. Our love for Christ, it, it will be tested but we can be strong and courageous 
because our difference maker is present. Living sin in an increasingly hostile culture to Jesus and his word will pose major, major challenges, but we can be strong and we can be courageous wherever we go because he's present and his promises, they never fail. Our Yeshua, the Christ, is our difference maker. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for how you've blessed us, you've loved us, you've cared for us, you've cared for this church in this, this season over this last year, you've cared for my family, the Nicosias, over the last several years. We didn't know all the plans, but I thank you that you've allowed us to be strong and courageous and to obey your commands. It's not because we're powerful or wise or mighty or smart or wealthy. It's none of that. It's because we know the difference maker, the difference maker who promises his victory, and he promises us his presence. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, you are the difference maker for us. Father, if there's anybody here that's never met the difference maker, who's still living under the weight of their sins, the penalty of their guilt, and they're feeling the shame and fear of living in a broken and sinful state, oh, I pray that they look to the difference maker today for salvation. Yahweh is our salvation. You are our difference maker, Lord Jesus. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.